But uh, thank you so much for being here today. I, I really welcome you. If you're new this morning, I'd like to take uh, just special attention to say thank you for being here. Getting up this early in the morning. And this is Sunday. So I appreciate you being here. We're going to have a great time today. Uh, you have your bulletins with you, so you can take that out. We're going to be continuing in our uh, series, As for Me and My House. And uh, in, in, the, in the Bible, when we're reading uh, through the Bible, in fact, we have our bookmarkers that we can read through the Bible in a year, and we do our devotions. We call it that because we devote that time with the Lord we just take a portion of our day, and then we read through the scriptures, and we journal on what the Lord is teaching us. Right now, we're reading in the book of Leviticus, if you're familiar, familiar with the Bible, and it's going through a lot of different, uh, uh, almost like some weird stuff, it may seem like, if you're not familiar with the Bible. Then it talks about, you know, skin disease, and if a rash breaks out on your skin, that you need to do certain things, and then go show yourself to the priest. And then the priest would say, okay, you're unclean, you need to go through this and be purified, and then for seven days, you're going to have to go through this, um, this quarantine period. So if you're reading with us through the Bible, you're right there in the book of Leviticus, and it almost seems like when people were sick, and in those days, of course, that was true, when they were sick or not feeling well, they would go to the priest, and the priest would kind of see how they're doing. Well, as they would do that, they would get purified. And so then they would be able to be uh, with the Lord in purity rather than uh, with a skin disease or something like that. And uh, when we think about where we are today, we have doctors. And doctors help us to understand how we're doing. And today we're going to be talking about where we're planted. And if, if you're uh, a parent, a teenager, grandparent single person, we're all going to be able to relate to this because every person is planted somewhere. You live where you live, or maybe you're visiting, but you live somewhere else. God plants you somewhere. And even in our responsibilities at work, we have a certain job title. And with that job title, sometimes there are certain stereotypes that come with it or a stigma that says, well, oh, you work here? You must be like this. Or, oh, you work with customer service? How's that going? Or, you're a manager? Is that difficult? Or, you're a lawyer? And with that comes a certain, you know, type of stereo a, a, a certain stereotype. So there's, there are different stereotypes that come with it. And maybe what God wants us to realize is where he plants us is the perfect place for us to grow in Him, so that when He operates on us, we're able to change and make some changes. And whenever God does, op uh, does an operation on us, in our soul, in our spirit, sometimes we fight it. Sometimes we, we, we get a, a, like a, a shock from Him because He wants to work on this. And we're saying, I don't want to work on that. We kind of fight that battle. Well, today as we talk about where we're planted we're going to find out that there's a reason why we're where we're at, that God wants to operate in our soul. And so we figure, well, maybe we can best illustrate it this way. Some of us had played this game when we were young. It's called Operation. You remember that game? Just raise your hand. Operation. Okay. Ooh, we old, yeah? But it's back then. And uh, the, the purpose of this game was to, and we have it here on camera. I think they're going to show it. Uh, you had to take out these little objects from it, and if you touch the sides, what would happen? 
Yeah, and then or the light or the light of the nose would light up, and you knew you lost. So that's the whole purpose of this game. So just to illustrate this operation and how God wants to operate on us, we're going to ask if you have if you have a family. Let's just say you're a, a parent and you have children. That if you would be so bold as to see how many of these items you can take out in 15 seconds, okay? 15 seconds. It seems like a short amount of time, but you can do this. In fact, I'm going to ask our referee, Bunny Correa, if she can find two people. I just need two people. If you can take on this impossible task, just two people, come on. It's very simple. All you got to do is take out these little pieces. Don't be afraid. You win something too. And I know some of you are saying, I can take on that game. I can do this. But you're not going to do anything. Come on. We just need one more person. Just raise your hand real quick. Just look at Bunny and say, I'll, I'll go do it. Okay. Oh, okay. Bunny's going to pick him. Okay. Okay. So what was your name? What was it again? Kainoa. Kainoa. Okay. Kainoa. Okay. Kainoa, what was your name, sir? Oh, Tuming. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... How about, how about, okay, you're going to go first. But because this is an operation, you need to get uh, set up. We do, th we do things good here. We're going to make we sure that you're not okay? going to Put contaminate the, the patient. We've got to make sure that you're good to go. You've got to put on, yeah, put on that uh, gown. Make sure it's on good. You might want to take off the tag. That no, way okay. it's okay. So, and, and this is so that you're well prepared <laughs> for this operation. How are we doing, Bunny? We're good. Okay, so we're going to have a master surgeon, and it, whoever's the surgeon uh, gets the prize. And then, oh, that's no good already. Unsanitary. <laughs> Unsanitary. This guy going to die from some type of infection. Just don't breathe while you do the operation. So, Dom, I'm going to have you stand on this side, uh, right behind our I'm assistant right here. Yeah, on that side. Perfect. Right there. So you just got to gotta prep. Right? Um, can you take off that tag, Brandon? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes, thank you. You can take off yours too because this might be contaminated. We don't want any contamination. Okay, so uh, you, use your glove hand. Okay. Okay, so you can, you can pick up the tweezer there. Okay, we need 15 seconds on the clock. So as much as possible, don't kill the patient. Not as don't much as possible. Just don't up. kill. Don't let and don't let the light up. go on, okay? Yeah, 15 seconds and go. Don't panic. Don't rush. Take your time. Take your time. It's kind of nerve-wracking, isn't it? Okay, you got five seconds. Four, three, two, one, zero. Okay, ah, oh, not bad. Okay, how many did you take out? Four. Four, that's not that bad. Not bad. Not okay, bad. not bad. Four. Okay, Dom, your turn. Let's see how many you can take out. Stretch it out, stretch it out. Stretch your neck. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. What, what, you're not supposed to play. I'm not playing. Oh. All right. You there you go. Shake it. Okay. Okay, Dom. You ready? You got you to gotta do surgery. This hand. Okay. Scalpel. Stab. Yeah. No, no, no. The glove hand. Get the glove hand. No, 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 no. no. You don't switch are you the glove. Right Wait, what hand are you? Left. You're left. Okay, okay so use your right hand. Because yeah. <laughs> you're right handed, right? See, he's right handed. Kaino's right handed. You got to get five. No, you got to use your right hand, your other right. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> just, just use, the, use the hand with the glove. Are you doing this on purpose for me? Is this what it is? 
Wow, the love you have. Okay, are you, are you ready? 15 seconds on the clock and go. Not bad. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Yes, Master Surgeon. Well done, Dom. Good job. Not the glove hand. Shake hands with the other hand. Yeah. Great job, Kaino. Well done. Can we thank them for a great job? You get the, you get the operation, so you can play that with your family. And then, uh, Kaino, you get Band-Aids. Yeah, the Band-Aids, just in case. And you got to give back the gowns. So, so we can yeah, keep the masks and take them home. Yeah, but take the gown. Okay, let's take out our notes. Let's turn on the lights so you can see. Wow, pressure, yeah? There's so much pressure. Well, this morning as we talk about where we're planted, what is interesting is every one of us is planted somewhere. And whenever you think about plants, you think about life or growth, there are certain elements that go with growing. With a plant, you need nutrients, you need good soil, you need water, you need a good environment, you need sunlight. So there are various types of uh, things that need to take place in this environment for a plant to thrive. We've been talking about the nation of Israel and how they came out of slavery and then entered the promised land. And now Joshua, one of their leaders, is telling them, you got to make a decision. Are you going to live like you used to or are you going to live like God wants you to? Because God wants to do some surgery on us and he says, you got to choose who you're going to serve. In fact, in your notes, we're going to read this together. I'll read the first part, and then we're going to read the ending uh, together. And Joshua 24, verses 13 through 15, it says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And let's read this part together. Ready? Go. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, that statement that they're saying to God and the statement that Joshua is giving is the foundation of our faith that we're here to serve the Lord as for me and my house anything can happen in the world anything can happen at my workplace anything can happen outside of my family but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and that's an important statement in fact, if you say that often, even when you're at home, it helps you to grow in the Lord. It's like roots that go down into the earth. There are nutrients that the roots bring in so the plant can grow. And the same is with God, that our spirit, our heart, is like the roots that go into the Lord for nutrients so that we can grow, so that we can thrive. And so when Joshua says this to the people, he's reminding them that God has planted them in a certain location with the purpose of serving him. Then it's not about, oh, we're in the promised land, so oh, everything's great, oh, we can kick back, it's fine, and we're here, we finally made it. The Lord says, no, you're not here because I'm just going to bless you. 
I want you to be here so that you can grow in your relationship with me. You're planted here so that we can thrive in this relationship. When he chose these people, the Israelites, God was saying, I'm choosing you as my special people so that you can represent me to the world. And he says the same thing to us. When we say yes to him through the person of Jesus and we say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, he's saying, okay, good. Now you represent me in this world. Wherever you're planted, at work, at home, wherever you are, you're going to represent me. And so some of us would think, well, so why is it important then? Why is it so important to, to thrive or to grow in the Lord? Why do we need to mature in our relationship with the Lord? Well, in our world, isn't this true that life would be easy if it weren't for people? Life would be easy if it weren't for people. Or let's take it a, a little further. Life would be so much easier if it weren't for certain people. Right? Doesn't it just narrow it down? Because not all people, but just certain people. And that's the whole point of being in this relationship with the Lord. Why do we need to grow in our relationship with Him? Because here it is. Every single relationship that we have comes out of our relationship with God. Every relationship that we have that we want to succeed will come out of our relationship with the Lord. If our relationship with the Lord is a solid, strong, foundational relationship, then every relationship after that will have that same kind of intensity to it or that same kind of energy to it or that same kind of dynamic or strength to it. But if not for the Lord and our relationship with Him, how would we know how to navigate through all of these different kinds of relationships? It's going to be our relationship with the Lord. Because when we have difficulties in our relationships, that's where we draw our nourishment from. Our spirit, our heart is like our roots that go deep down into the Lord. And He gives us the nutrients that are necessary for us to thrive in the various relationships that we have. Well, how does this happen? Here's the first thing that we can learn is to seek the Lord in my present condition. To seek the Lord in my present condition. In other words, we don't wait till we get good and then say, well, I'm, now I'm going to seek you, Lord. I'm going to wait till I get my act together. Then I'm going to seek you. Lord, I'm going to wait till uh, this certain time of my life. Then I'm going to give my heart to you. No, you seek the Lord in your present condition. That's what Joshua was trying to tell the people. He's saying, okay, here's where we are. We're in the promised land, and here's our condition. This is where we've come from, but this is where we want to go. This is where we want to head, but you need to make this decision today. That in your present condition, you have to choose this day whom you will serve. And so when you seek the Lord in your present condition, it's going to help you to understand where you're planted and the purpose of why you are where you're at in your home, in your workplace. Uh, if you live in a certain, uh, uh, like a city, or if you're visiting and when you go back home, you're going to say, okay, God, you put me here for a specific reason and purpose. And here it is in, in Acts 17, verses 26 and 27. The Bible tells us that he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. And what is the hope? In the hope that they, may, that they might grope for Him and find Him. 
though he is not far from each one of us. See, you and I are planted where we are so that we seek the Lord in the hopes that we find him. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us to find him. He doesn't want us to just have a, a relationship with him that's distant. He wants us to be close to him. He loves us that much. He's not far from any one of us. And sometimes we think, wow, I've done some things in my life. I'm so far from God. I've messed up. I've made these decisions. Yeah, we feel like that. That's the feeling. But God is not too far from us. We just need to seek him in our present condition. Whether we're depressed or lonely or afflicted with some type of traumatic situation or, or we're in debt and we're, we're trying to figure out how is this going to work or our relationship is not going well. You seek the Lord in your present condition because if you're waiting for perfect conditions, you'll never have it. You just seek Him in your present condition. See, you and I can only grow if you're, if you're planted correctly. That's the only way we grow. A plant would not grow if it's planted incorrectly. In fact, if, if, uh, if you plant something wrong, it's not going to grow. You can't plant a plant by just throwing it on this table. You have to put it in soil, and you've you got to have a good uh, system in place so that that plant can grow. I had this tree that was given to me. It was a puakinikini plant. And you know how those flowers come out? It smells so good. Well, we had this plant given to us, and when it was given to us, it was, it was in perfect condition because it was in soil that was in perfect condition. You had fertilizer, and it was in a pot. And so I took that out, dug a hole in my yard, and then I put that plant in there with the soil, covered it up, and it started to grow. It was a small plant, and then it grew to a little over six feet tall. And then after that, it stopped. And then I started to see the leaves kind of wither, and then there were no flowers on it. And I was thinking, what, is, what happened? And so I said, Heidi, something's wrong with this plant. It's not growing anymore. And she said, oh, you're supposed to be nice to it. You got you know, you to speak to it. You be nice to it. And I thought she was joking. I said, what? She goes, no, you, you got to be nice to it. You got to, because you, you, you just walked by. You didn't even say hi to it. I said, it's not a person. It's not a child. It's a plant. She goes, yeah, but, you know, you, you be nice to the plant. You be nice to it. I said, okay, so what do I got to do? She said, just be nice to the plant and put, you know, fertilizer or things like that, put uh, a compost. So after I, I, I figured, okay, after I spoke with Heidi, I kind of got an idea. So as I'm outside eating a banana, I'm just looking at the plant. I say, you're looking pretty frail. <laughs> you need some you need some fertilizer. So I'd eat my banana, take the peel, and throw it by the, you know, by the plant. And I'll just look at it and say, okay, so you, you got some nutrients, so grow. And so I'll go in the house, and then I said, Heidi, I talked to the plant, put some uh, banana peels by it and so that there's some kind of compost. She goes, you put banana peels? I said, yeah, it's like a compost. She goes, okay, that might work. But time went on, nothing happened. So I thought, maybe I got to water it. But we live in a place where it's, it's being watered all the time. So maybe not the water. So we would put all kinds of things. We would put eggshells, compost, all kinds of things just so that it could grow. And then a green leaf came out. And we're like, hey, look, it's starting to grow. But then that was it. And then a couple weeks later, it was just sticks, like it was getting worse. So I was thinking, maybe my speaking or my singing isn't good to this plant. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Well, after a while, there were, there were no leaves. And so I thought, this thing is in the way now. 
So I thought, you know what, Heidi, can I just uproot it? She goes, yeah, just take it out already. And I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, poor thing, this poor kini kini. <laughs> so I, I, I went to the, the plant, and I said, I'm sorry. I've got to take you out. And it was so easy to uproot. And I found out why. And so I just pulled it out, and there were no roots. And I thought, what, it, what happened? And so I dug a little bit, and what happened was there was a huge rock right under the tree, and in the rock there was like a dip where everything just settled. The roots hit that and kind of balled up and then rotted. There was water in there, but it was stagnant water. And I looked at that and I said, I am so sorry. I planted you in such a horrible place that now you died. My singing didn't help. The compost didn't help. Water didn't even help because it was stagnant. Some of us may feel like that. That, oh boy, I, I, you know, I, there's nothing happening in my heart. I'm dying. It's not, it's, I'm not thriving. And you're trying everything possible. But if you seek the Lord in your present condition, this is what the Lord is able to do. He's able to bring nutrients to, your soil, to the soil around you, bring nutrients to your roots so that you can grow in Him. See, God plants us in certain locations and He's going to plant us in such a way that He's not going to put some rock under you that you're not going to be able to grow. He's going to put you where you have good soil and even if there's something there beneath the surface, and you feel like something is blocking you from growing and learning from God and, and thriving in your relationship, he's able to break that rock and put a better foundation underneath, but only if you seek him in your present condition, not waiting for things to get better because he's the one that makes things better, and he's going to bring fresh living water. You know, today is water baptism, and I love water baptism because that's what it signifies. It signifies the repentance of our heart, the cleansing of our soul, that when we go under the water and we come back up, it's like that fresh water that God pours into our life so that when we continue to serve Him, everyone knows now because it's a public confession. And God surrounds us with loving people, that environment that adds nutrients to our soul so that we can thrive in Him. So just seek the Lord in your present condition. Here's what the Bible says our life looks like when we seek the Lord in our present condition. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor, sit, or, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And this is what he'll be like. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Firmly planted, which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And here's, here's what is so amazing and rewarding about God. When you're planted by the streams of living water, in whatever you do, you prosper. Because now you're planted in the Lord. You're seeking the Lord in your present condition. Even though your present condition may not be so well, you just find an area in your life that you're saying, boy, I want to do better at this as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a teenager, as a grandparent, uh, just as a person, as a single person. I want to be strong in the Lord. Then plant yourself and seek the Lord where you are right now and find Him in your present condition. 
And instead of us trying to grab outside things to help us on the inside, say, Lord, I want you to be the one that's on the inside so that I don't need external things to fulfill what's lacking on the inside. I now have you on the inside. Therefore, now I'm able to make an impact on the things that are on the outside, in my family, my friends, my coworkers, the streams of running water. It's that living water. It's not stale. It's not stagnant. He says you're going to be planted by the streams. It's living water. It's moving. It's not stale. And the end result is that you prosper because your heart and spirit is your root system and your nourishment is from the Lord. Here's the second thing that we learn, and here's what we can apply to find contentment. It's kind of a long word, but you find contentment in the Lord, not in my circumstances. You find contentment in the Lord, not our circumstances. And some of us, yeah, we want, we want life to go smooth. We want our circumstances to go well. But sometimes we try to find the Lord in our circumstances rather than looking for the Lord period, regardless of our circumstances. But if we're in the Lord, and it doesn't matter what our circumstances look like because He's unchanging. And then He stabilizes us even in an unstable circumstance. He's able to write us up. And most times we measure contentment by our circumstances. When I have what I want, I'm content. When my family is doing well and no one is fighting, I'm content. And nothing wrong with this. And we become content, but so long as that's not what brings you fulfillment, period. It helps. Oh, yeah, when the family is doing good, oh, everybody's behaving, it's great. But if that's where I'm trying to find my contentment from and that's it, then we're going to have a very difficult time living in this world because we go through ups and downs. And sometimes when our, our bills are paid and we have extra money to spend, we feel content. And the Lord is saying, you're looking for the wrong place to find contentment. And the problem with that kind of reasoning, if we're looking for our circumstances to bring us to a place that we're content, here's the problem. Then now our, our outer circumstances begin to control our inner life and whatever's happening on the inside. And if we're not careful, then we begin to try to control what we cannot control so that we are content so that we feel better. And then here's the result. Contentment from your circumstances becomes your God. That if, that if everything is, everything is in, in order and, every, and nobody misbehaves, then, then it's like that's my God because that's where I find contentment. And if everyone just does what I say, and then you're going to find, you're going you're gonna to find that, well, then I feel contentment. But not everything's going to be perfect. And if contentment becomes your God, then you become a, tr a controlling person. You start to control your spouse, you control your children, you control your work environment, you try to control people because if you can control people to make it how you want it, now you're content. And now we become our own God. We, we try to control things we cannot control and we get frustrated because they're not doing what I want them to do. And so now we're stuck in a place where how can I grow 
where I'm planted right now, if I'm trying to control things that I cannot control. There are certain things that we can control, certain things that we should control. My relationship with God, my outlook on life, my perspective. I can control those things, but there are certain things I just cannot control. I cannot control the world's economy, but I can control the economy that God gave to me. There's certain things that I can do better, certain things that God has given to me as a responsibility. And then... When we look to the Lord and we say, Lord, I, I want to find my contentment in you, then we begin to understand why he planted us where we are and who he made us to be, that we're supposed to help one another, not hinder one another. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 14 and 16 and 17, it says, for the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. And in verse 16, it says, Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. And this is Paul the Apostle speaking because he understood that wherever the Lord plants us, that we're there for a reason. In other words, he's saying, accept the things in your life that you cannot change and work on changing the things in your life that you can do something about. You can be a better person in the Lord. Wherever you're planted, you, you can change. You might not be able to turn your circumstances around and you can't change that. However, you can turn to the Lord. You can find Him. You might not be able to be reconciled with that person, but as far as it depends on you, you can be at peace with all men, as the Bible tells us. There are certain things you just cannot control, but there are certain changes we can make to help us in the present condition that we're in and that we can do something about. You might not be able to bring that loved one back to this world, but at the same time, you can still love the people who are still in it. And our comfort and happiness depends on who we are in the Lord, not who we are in the world. Because that's, that's going to be a, a major difference in our thought process. If we can say, Lord, my happiness and comfort is in you. Some of us can be so picky that God is saying, come pick me. Because you're trying to make everything else work out, but you're not trying to find me. You're trying to find me in your circumstances. No, come to me first. My grandson Landon, he's three years old, and he's picky about food. And there are times where we're eating dinner, we'll make dinner or lunch, and we'll say, okay, Landon, it's time to eat. He goes, I don't want that. And here in Hawaii, we say, too bad. This is what we made. This is what you're eating. He goes, I don't want that. I want cereal. I said, you had cereal already for breakfast. This is what we're eating. It's, it's more nutritional for you. He goes, but I don't want that. So he said, well, that's all we're eating. You're not going to have anything else. So too bad. Okay, go ahead. You don't need to eat. You can just sit here and not eat. As we're eating, I can see his face. And after a while, I just put the food in my fork and I'll give it to him. And his mouth automatically opens. It happens with us men, right? Wives, you can just put food in our mouth. We'll be like, what is that? What is that? And we'll eat it. It starts off when we're three years old. And so he'll eat it. And I notice this, that even though he may be picky, and we're saying, we don't want to give you snacks. You need nutrients. Snacks are pow, that's done. You need to eat food. 
If you wait long enough, he will eat it because they're starving. Not saying to starve your children. What I am saying is they will eventually want to eat. Even if it's a day later, they will eat, which that will never happen. They will eat because they need those nutrients. And I thought, you know, you know what, what is interesting? The world gives us snacks. It's like quick bite-sized kinds of things that we can just munch on in the world, but it does nothing for our soul. But God feeds us in such a way that it brings nourishment to our soul. It's not snacks. It's nourishment to our soul. That's why we seek Him in our present condition. We look to Him and we find contentment in Him, not in our circumstances. So you find contentment in Him. Here's the last thing. And this is where it gets more home-based. To live to glorify God in my home. Live to glorify God in my home. Now, why is it in my home? Why do I need to glorify God in my home? Why, why not at church? Why not at work? Why not, why not out there in the public where I can say, hey, praise the Lord. Good to see you, sister. Good to see you, brother. And then be out there and, and look good out there. But at home, I can be any way I want. Well, the problem with that is you're faking it. You know how long you, you, and then how hard it is to fake it? It's, it, it won't be too long before after a while something's not going to be right. And so the Lord says, no, you got to do it the opposite way. you got to apply that in your home first because when you're applying it in your home, that's where God is going to bring all the nutrients. That's where he's going to bring all the, 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 the great surroundings, the environment. He's going to do that in your home. He does it through a relationship with your children, with your spouse, with your loved ones. He's going to start in the home. If you're single and you're living with, uh, it's just you, then you start with that with the Lord because that's where he's going to pour all the nutrients into. It's going to be in your home that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then what will happen is because you're living it at home, it doesn't take much effort to live it outside. Why? Because you have so much practice at home. The way you treat your spouse, if you're treating her or him in a wrong kind of way and it's not righteous with God and, and maybe you're demeaning or controlling or whatever it would be, then you fix it there. And then when you fix it there, when you're out in public and you're eating dinner together and you see somebody from church, you don't have to say, hey, hold my hand, hold my hand. Why? Because the pastor watching. Hold my hand, hold my hand, hold my hand. Look, look, smile. Hey, how's it, pastor? Hey, good to see you. All right. Have a good night. Okay, let go of my hand. You know, it, it, you, you apply that at home so that when you're out in public, this is just who you are. But somehow, the world has tried to change that around. And the world says, okay, look good in public. Look good in public. Okay, put the smiley face on. And then when you're at home, just be however you want because that's your own private place. But not as a believer. Not as someone who says, Lord, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you. He says, okay, apply this at home. Develop your people skills there. Develop 
your, your, your countenance there, how you treat one another. Develop how you speak to one another there at home. Develop eye contact at home. When you talk to your children, look at them in the eyes. And children, look at your parents in their eyes. And, and some of you don't like, you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't like look at their eyes because they know I'm lying. So I cannot, I cannot lie straight to their face. So you lie looking away. Look into their eyes and speak with them. When my grandson, uh, I have three, and when they're misbehaving, I get down at their level and I hold them and I say, okay, look at Papa. Look at Papa's eyes. And they're like. I said, no, look at Papa's eyes. Papa is correcting you because I love you. Okay? Papa says, you don't do that. You don't jump on my head when I'm not looking. Okay? <laughs> Next time, no, don't do that. Okay? And then we're good. But you, you got to practice that at home because sometimes I'll just snap. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why did you do that for? <laughs> oh, don't cry now. Want me? I give you something to cry about. So now it's not, you know. Now you're gonna be like that out there in, in public. But now I gotta, I gotta come back and say, okay, Papa, sorry. I gotta look in your eyes, and they're probably thinking, no, look into my eyes, Papa. Tell me sorry. And so I had to apologize because I wasn't. My anger got the best of me. But you apply it at home, boy. By the time you get out there, it doesn't take much work. And people are going to come at you at work constantly. You're going to get that. But you apply it at home, you'll be better out there. Here's what the Lord spoke out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. You and I are planted where we're planted to bring glory to God. That's why he planted you and I where we are. It's to bring him great glory. No matter how difficult life may be, he's going to do amazing things where you're planted a whole lot better and a whole lot more amazing than if you just keep trying to uproot yourself, uproot yourself, uproot yourself, and just try to make it happen without the Lord. He says, no, I'm going to make you into a great oak tree that you're going to be planted for my glory. And when you're able to learn what you need in where you're planted, it might very well be the Lord that says, okay, your life of ashes has now become a crown of beauty, a joyous blessing, a festive praise. And now you're ready for the next chapter of your life in me. And if the Lord ever uproots you and plants you somewhere else in whatever way he chooses, he does it with grace, he does it with truth, and he does it with his power. And he's able to do that in such a way that we don't even know how to. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't know where my life is going to go from this point on. But maybe where you once was in a land or in a relationship or in a place or in a work environment that wasn't going well, 
Maybe God is saying, okay, right now, you just seek me where you are, where you're planted right now, in your present condition, because it's not going to be your circumstances that are going to bring you satisfaction. It's going to be my presence. So seek me, and then I'm going to help you, but you got to glorify me in your home. When nobody is looking, that's when you glorify me, where you will once again give, God will give you a land that you never had before or which you did not labor in, cities which you did not build so that you can dwell in them. It might be a new workplace, a relationship, uh, uh, if you're moving somewhere if you're, or if you moved here. God is saying, I'm planting you here. And so now you dwell in this place and now you can eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. You have honored me. You have served me in sincerity and in truth. And you did put away the gods which you used to serve. You have served me well through every difficult circumstance. Boy, if, you can, if we can come to that place, then God says, I have no problem with giving you the promised land, entering into my presence and blessing you because we've made that decision. Then when the Lord operates on us and he says, I want to do some things in your heart, we have no problem. We say, Lord, go, go for it. I'm seeking you. I'm trusting in you because you're my God. And then when he does operate on us, there is no shock, and then our noses will not light up because he knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Would you pray with me? You can close your Bibles, put away your notes. I'm going to pray together. Heavenly Father, as we pray to you, there are things in our life that we battle with. It could be in our present condition. It could be something from our past. Maybe something happened and we just don't know how to shake it. We don't know what to do with it. Maybe we're trying to get better with our finances or our relationships, our marriage, or even living the life that we have now, singled life or maybe a widow or maybe, maybe it's in a dating stage. It's a, it's a new thing. Maybe you're a child and... You're growing up under your parents' rules and you're, you're having a hard time. Or maybe you're living in a household where everyone has their own thing and, and you want to become that strong family again. And maybe the Lord is doing something right now. And He's saying, just seek me out. I'm going to help you in your present condition that I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or dream. I have a promised land for you. Maybe some are here this morning and you're saying, you know, I, I've, never, I've never understood that I could have a relationship with God. I thought I had to behave. I thought I had to get my act together first and then God would accept me. But from what I understand, God says He has planted me where I am so that I might seek Him and find Him. And maybe today you're finding the Lord Maybe today is your day that the Bible calls salvation, that you would say yes to him, that you would declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And if that's you and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my heart today, I've been seeking, I want to give him my heart. Could you just lift a hand and I'll pray with you? Just say, I, I lift my hand. Lord, I want to give you my heart today. Good. Anybody else? Good. God sees your hand. Good. God sees you. Good. Back there. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. Good. You can put your hands down. How many of us as Christians, we're saying, boy, you know, even as a Christian, we still have our struggles, but God has planted me in this specific place, this specific location at this specific time so that I could glorify Him. 
And if you're here this morning and as a Christian, you're saying, Lord, I want to glorify you where I am. Could you just lift a hand? You're saying, Lord, yeah, that's all of us, Lord. We want to glorify you wherever we are. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, especially for those that are saying yes to Jesus today for the first time. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for going to the cross, dying for my sins, and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I give my life to you. I put my trust in you. And I thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, that's our prayer this morning, and we want to be people who love you. We want to be people who represent you. We want to seek you. We want to glorify you, Lord, starting in our homes, because our declaration, Lord, is as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.